Yo, this is Greg Capullo, man, and you're listening to Elegant Weapon. And you know who the biggest elegant weapon is? I can't tell you where it's located, but it's uh, got something to do with me. An elegant weapon is brought to you by Nemesis Studios. What are y'all doing in here? We're smoking reefer, and you don't want no part of this shit. An elegant weapon for a more civilized day. This is a journey into sound. The time has come. Join hands as we bring together our mystic powers. Cobra Gentlemen, welcome to An Elegant Weapon, episode 163. My name is Jay, the Jedi Ross, and welcome to our third annual Fan Expo Canada Extravaganza 2015 edition. What a good time, kids. Of all the many, many years that I have been going to this comic convention, and of the three years that I've been Gorillapod style covering it for you kids, never has there been a year as exceptional as this. Uh, Fan Expo changed hands a few years ago, and there's been some ins and outs of individuals. Uh, there's a few new people on on hand on staff, and they really, 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 really stepped it up this year. Went absolutely above and beyond to take care of their own exceptional volunteers, uh, the artists' alley, uh, the guests, uh, you know, the tours, everyone involved. Uh, I'm absolutely blown away by the epic, epic treatment uh, that was bestowed upon the artists of Artists' Alley this year. It was a real pleasure to see because sometimes these big giant conventions, they can lose a little heart. You know, they grow into these monstrous entities and uh, you know they don't they don't have that small town feel anymore. Not that Toronto in any way probably ever had much of a small town feel, but uh, bravo, 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 and kudos to all those involved for bringing uh, such heart back to this wonderful, wonderful comic convention. Um, I can't believe how much fun it was, despite uh, the usual elements being kind of subdued. I wonder if in fact these may have been the exact reasons why cosplay. Wonderful as always, but mellow. Uh, not quite as many participants, I think, as I'm used to seeing in the cosplay arena. Um, I mean, really good stuff, of course, as always. Wonderful, imaginative, uh, you know, well put together stuff. Just not quite as much as it uh, as I'm used to seeing. So uh, that was interesting. Uh, the setup was a bit different but not much more than usual. Uh, the aisles might have been a little wider, but they even set things up where the artists had a little more extra room, so that was fantastic as well. Uh, lots of fun workshops and panels and stuff went on, um, one of which it finally happened, kids. So honored. Due to the epic awesomeness that is 
Jay Fosgett. I was invited to and participate in moderating my very first panel at Fan Expo. You work hard enough. Stick to it, kids. Dreams really do come true. It is kind of odd that I had to venture all the way to the land of Michigan to build enough of a supportive audience to enable me the opportunity to do moderation for a panel in my own hometown con. But whatever. Jay Fosgett, I love you forever for inviting me to do that. Uh, we did that with Jay Fosgett, Jules Faulkner, and Ted Woods. And it was a panel about uh, independent comic making and, uh, you know... Doing it yourself, self-publishing and marketing and all that good stuff. And uh, for any of you kids who are into that kind of stuff, like making comics, I'm going to bring that to you probably next week. But this week, we're going to lay down a couple fantastic conversations that I was incredibly privileged to have. One of which being uh, one of the biggest uh, underestimations of a story I was ever going to hear. Uh, kids, I had the extreme honor of sitting down with uh, Canadian comic book legend Mr. Ty Templeton. That's right. Now, I knew that Ty Templeton was a local kid, at least Toronto, Ontario, somewhere around these parts. I knew he grew up. I also did know, in fact, that his parents were of some notary within uh, Canadian history as far as uh, celebrity and television and a little bit more. But I had no idea to the extent of uh, the amount of history that flows through the genes of this individual. Uh, he laid down some shit that uh, just it took me right back. And uh, you don't even hear too much out of me in this chat because, uh, as you know, Ty is wonderful for uh, just going off uh, once you give him the opportunity. So it was really, really cool of him. Uh, we kind of hit it off when we realized we were both, in fact, Clarkson kids. That's right. Had no idea. I knew he was in Toronto. Uh, no idea it was Mississauga, and even more so, no idea that he was a Clarkson kid right here. Right here from the L5J. I mean, I'm sitting here in the L5J studios, and where I am at this very, very moment on Earth, literally one street away from where I am, is where the uh, indomitable spirit that is Ty Templeton grew into being uh you'll hear him tell us all about that you'll also hear him tell us about how he got involved in the batman 66 comic that was his triumph this year uh he had some health problems a while back but has absolutely conquered the world and returned very very strong this year with batman 66 so we talk a little bit about that uh, a lot about Canada, uh, Clarkson, uh, comic books, uh, Joe Schuster and Jerry Siegel. And yes, kids, the urban legend, the myth, it's true. And once you listen to this, if you've heard this myth or legend as a comic book fan, Ty absolutely solidifies it for us. So I won't spoil it now because it's really fun when it comes. But we talk a, little about, a lot about Toronto history, the history of Superman, uh, the history of comic books, and all that incredible shit. He was an absolute, absolute blast to talk to. I really hope you enjoy hearing these stories as much as I did. Uh, and then after that, very, very, very honored to have sat down with Miss Katie Cook. Uh, Miss Katie Cook is primarily at this moment known for being the artist on the My Little Pony comic books. And she is huge because of it. Because you know them bronies love their ponies. 
Um, so we chat with her. She's done uh, other stuff too. She's done, uh, I think she's a Spider-Verse story that she tells us a little bit about and uh, her own work. And she's just a lovely, lovely, lovely girl. Yet another one of those Michiganites who keep coming around to the rest of these places and just simply conquering. Uh, but uh, shout-outs to the Michigan contingent that came all the way up to visit. Josh Werner, Jay Fosgett, Ted Woods, Katie Cook, uh, it was fantastic times. Also, very, very special mention uh, that you'll hear on the next episode, probably. I give a shout-out, of course, to uh, Derek and his lovely girlfriend, Mel, who came up. Derek, of course, is of Drunk on Comics, the podcast. And we did a little bit of pod potty potting uh, together as well, of course. So it was wonderful to hang out with all you kids. You people are super, super, duper rad. I'm glad you all had a wonderful time. Fan Expo yet again. On a year when we didn't have an excessive amount of over-the-top, you know, celebrities. I mean, really good celebrities were there. Don't get us wrong. But, you know, kind of the usuals. Your Norman Reedus's and such. Not really one or two. There was, like, no Shatners this year. You know what I mean? There was no... uh, you know, there was no kind of one or two big, oh, my God, everybody needs to meet that person. So uh, they had a lovely, lovely Hogwarts reunion. Uh, a whole bunch of the Harry Potter kids were there. Rupert Grint even uh, showed up. And as well, some very, very lovely uh, Dr. Hoonis went on with uh, Karen Gillian and Jenna Coleman in the same damn place. I think that still went on. I know there was a lot of canceling and stuff that happened, but I spent most of my time in Artist Alley with our good friend Shacked Up with our good friend, Mr. Anthony Rutgazer, writer of The First Hero, who had an excellent weekend at his table. Uh, the First Hero was from Action Lab, who also had a booth there and uh, have uh, are slowly becoming a Toronto staple. So lots and lots of cool stuff went down. Uh, you'll hear about it in our chats with me and Derek and such. But uh, tonight, or at least today, or wherever it is, or whatever it is, wherever you are, this episode is going to be the chats. So here we go. Mr. Ty Templeton, Miss Katie Cook, Fan Expo 2015. I love digital technology. Oh, it's a wonderful age to be doing what everybody's doing. Uh, thank God that we've stopped the leeches and the bloodletting. <laughs> Mr. Ty Templeton, we actually crossed paths very briefly once at Altered States. Okay. That's my LCS down in Clarkson there. And uh, <laughs> I live just around the corner. That is also my LCS. You Really? You yeah. go there that often? I go there fairly regularly. I'm not in there every week because um, um, the school I teach at has an affiliation with a store in Toronto. Okay. So uh, because I've been affiliated with a store in Toronto all the time, we used to teach out of the back room of that store. Wow. Yeah. So I, I'm highly associated with that the, that store, but I go to Altered States at least twice a month. Right on. Yeah, because it, yeah. it's walking distance to my house. You're that close. Wow. Yeah. We're very, very close. It's then. a bit of a walk. It's like about a three-mile walk, but it's oh, walking well, it's, distance to my house. It's a little hike. It's worth it for your yeah, yeah, yeah. books. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I actually, because of my recent health issues, I have to walk two to three miles every day. So right. every now and then it occurs to me, should I walk there? 
<laughs> I love those guys, David. Yeah, Dugger. they're great. I've, I've, I've loved those guys since before they moved locations, before the fire. Yeah, that was crazy. Uh, 200,000 comic books. Or I know. Something? Yeah, no, yeah, it was it was a bit of a mess, but they got right back up on their feet. I love yeah, the yeah, new yeah. location. And their and their back stock is already back up and running. Like, yeah, yeah, which is uh, it was a shame because I know it was the one the wall that got smoked out was the classic comic wall. Except that none of the comics were actually damaged. Yeah, it was like a smoke thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll yeah, take yeah. a smoke smelly comic. I don't care. Sure, sure, sure. So, uh, growing up in Toronto, then, like, did you have, live in the core, or is it I, I, I grew or? up in Mississauga. Okay. I grew up in a little town called Clarkson. Right. If, if you know about this. Why? This is my hometown? Yeah, place? yeah. I grew like, up in Clarkson. Wow. Uh, uh, if you want to get really obscure, just off Truscott Road. I live on Barsuda. Holy uh, crap, yeah. I lived on Elite Road. Really? Yes. <laughs> that's the street over. You literally one street yeah, over. Oh, my fantastic. God. Very cool. Uh, yeah, okay, so I was going to say, you never heard of Elite Road, but you now have, obviously. Oh, yeah, very well. Um, yeah. Uh, I had friends who grew up on Barsuda. Um, uh, yeah, and I grew up there, and when I was uh, old enough to uh, move out on my own, I moved to downtown Toronto. I've lived in and around Toronto or Mississauga my entire life, except for a brief six-month period where I lived in New York. Very, very cool. I love Clarkson. It's like the oldest area of Mississauga. Yeah, yeah, it's There's great. So much history Well, there. when, I, when I, I got married and had kids, we moved back because I wanted my kids to grow up in the place I grew up. Right on. Yeah, well, uh, when I met my wife and we had our kid, we were out in Waterdown, same thing. I was like, I want to go back to Clarkson. I had a great childhood there. Yeah. You know, it's... Uh, we also know, had a next-door neighbor in Toronto. That this is, one of, uh, this is one of the things that got me to move. Uh, our next-door neighbor in Toronto was a lovely old lady who had a couple of dogs that maybe barked a bit, and then one day she passed away, and her house was sold to the Ontario government, and they turned it into a halfway house for drug offenders. Okay. So we went from our next-door neighbor being a nice old lady with some dogs to people who one day were out in the backyard, and we hear this argument, I don't care if you take my beer, man, but you don't steal my gun. And it was like, oh... Okay, maybe us. we don't want to have our children grow up next to that. Yeah, Jesus. That was that was right over the fence. Yeah. And then uh, uh, one day I come out in the backyard and I noticed that one of the plants in their backyard garden was a seven-foot marijuana plant. Very nice. You do notice that occasionally. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I'm thinking, if these guys are drug offenders that are on some kind of government program, won't an agent come by their house at some point? And within two weeks, that thing was being cut down by government <laughs> officials. So we, we bought a house in Mississauga and said we don't need any gunfights in our backyard. Yeah, I understand that. I, uh, I, you know what, uh, Bostock Convenience, uh, it's like uh, Canby and Bostock. It's right at Park Royal Plaza off Truscott Road. Um, okay, well, it's a little convenience store there. And that's where I first started getting into comics when I bought my comics when I was like 12 years old or whatever. I probably bought comics there. Yeah, I just right don't remember the, the name. So I, I'm curious then, growing up in those days around then, like, were there any comic shops? No, there were no like, comic stores when I was a kid. Comic stores didn't even exist till the late 70s. Right. right. And I'm, I'm a child of the 60s. Uh, I used to buy my comics at a place called Arrow Pharmacy. Which is still there, oh, yeah. but it doesn't sell comics anymore. Uh, it was just a, a you know a drugstore, um, you know the where the uh, the train the train cross the the level crossing uh, near uh, as I think it's where oh hell I forget the name of the street right now. Uh, it might be Indian Road. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. There's a level crossing near Indian Road with a place called Arrow Pharmacy. Oh, yes, I do know it. Okay, yeah, yeah. And I'm I used to you. go in there when wow. I was like five or six. That's fantastic. And also, my grandma used to live on Lakeshore Road up by where the Dairy Queen is. Yeah, yeah. Which is actually very close to where Altered States is right oh, now. Oh, right. It's like a two-minute walk. Yeah, yeah. Walk and there. Uh, there was a little corner store there. And this is my comic collecting becomes a reality because of my grandmother. Because when I was very little, she used to uh, have a deal that uh, when we go to visit her, uh, we were allowed to pick up one comic, 
and they were 12 cents back then. And I'm old. And um, the idea was that those comics had to stay at my grandmother's house. We couldn't bring them home with us. So that every time one of her grandkids would visit, there would be a collection of comics because every time we visit, we got one. So there's a collection of comics that she kept in really nice shape. And I'm the youngest one in my family. I got older brothers and okay. sisters. So that collection of comics that were in my grandmother's kitchen goes back to about 1959. Wow. And... Uh, I still own every single one of them. Super cool. And uh, there, there's a total of about 60 of those comics in that collection, okay. and and they're they're the like sort of ground zero for my comic collection because I my first Batman is still in there, my first Superboy is still in there, uh, a, a great um, Wally Wood series called the the, the Thunder Agents. I had, okay. a, I had an issue with the Thunder Agents from wow, that collection. And funny. and so I, I got them, I think, at the age of 12. I was starting to buy comics on my own, and my grandmother realized she didn't have any grandkids young enough that she was buying comics for anymore. So she just went, uh, I don't need them anymore. Would you like them? And they're like almost mint condition copies. She was really good about Even keeping... all those kids reading them and yep, stuff? Yep, yeah, they're in great shape. Wow. And so this includes things like an Iron Man number one is in that pile. And uh, 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 an Avengers 57, the, uh, the first Vision story, even an Android Can Cry, is in that pile. And uh, 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 the first Neil Adams um, Batman comic is in that pile. So I have, I had this sort of built-in comic collection that was at my grandmother's house that I, I got when I was 12. And I suddenly had, holy crap, I have an enviable collection already. Yeah, and, and I, but you were drawing and stuff before that? Like I think as a young kid? Yeah, or? because my father was a cartoonist when he was quite young. When, right. he, was a, when he was a teenager, he was a, a sports and political cartoonist for the Toronto Globe and Mail. Right. He only did it for about four or five years, but I think from the age of like 17 to 21 or something like that. And uh, uh, I had... Uh, seen all my father's cartoons. We had them in a box when I was a kid. I, actually, I still own my dad's cartoons. It sounds I, like you should. Yeah. I do. Yeah, <laughs> actually, I've, I've been asked a couple of times to give them to a museum, but I don't think I don't think there's a reason to because they're my father's work. I don't know that anybody really cares that my father was a cartoonist, but me. Okay. But it's kind of fun because it's cartoons from the 30s and 40s. Well, that's historical value. Who yeah, doing and them, right? uh, they were all yeah. published in the Globe. I mean, you, sure. uh, one of my favorite parts of that collection is I've got. Uh, there's a political cartoon which my dad kind of starts, you know, waving his finger at Hitler. Like, this Hitler, <laughs> yeah. we got to look out for him. And it's like yeah. a political cartoon about Hitler. And and I just love the idea that there was a time when Hitler was not considered the great monster of the 20th century. Yeah, and here's this political cartoon of, of Hitler, like, um, I, think, I think he's in a Jeep. And uh, uh, he's heading towards Czechoslovakia, and the caption underneath it is, "Hey, does this thing have a reverse gear?" <laughs> that's that's the wow. cartoon, and and you're and you're looking at this going, "Oh my God, that's like, that's around yeah. the time he invaded Czechoslovakia," and my dad is like going, "You gotta watch out right. for this Hitler." So, is there maybe a chance with your dad having worked at the Globe and Mail around that time? Wasn't Schuster? Kind of. Oh no, no, the, no! There was I, no crossover chance. I can't of a imagine. Meet, no, because the, you, yeah, you're right. But Schuster yeah. was not at the Globe and Mail. He was at the Toronto Star. Oh, was it the Star? Okay, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. I thought it was the Globe and Mail my, that he had based. No, no, my father. No, no it's, it's the Toronto Star. Think okay. about it. And, right. uh, the first newspaper Kent works for is called the Daily Star. Oh, that's right. Okay, you're and very the, right. My mistake. And the, yes. and, the, and the editor, I believe, was George Taylor. Okay. Who was the editor of the Toronto Star at the time? That's so Before cool. there was a Perry White, it was a George Taylor in the early early super. He just stole the name. Yeah. Well. George Taylor at the Daily Star because the the Toronto Star is not called the Toronto Star by people who work there it's called the Daily Star or the Star Really? Yeah. Okay. So uh, back then it was anyway. Okay. And nowadays it's called the Tour Star because that's the the website name. But the uh, uh, the fact that Clark worked at the Daily Star 
and his editor was George Taylor was no coincidence at all because that's the that was the summer copy boy job that Jerry and it wasn't Jerry Siegel anyway it was Joe Schuster right it was Schuster yeah 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 Um, I never met Schuster but I I certainly met uh, uh, Frank Schuster many times growing up were they related you hear yeah they're cousins they are cousins it's not a rumor they're cousins I didn't know that's something you hear from a kid and you're not sure if it's just like a Canadian kind of urban legend no but here's the thing my my mother was a regular uh, member of the cast of the Wayne and Schuster show okay when uh, uh, in the late 50s early 60s when they first went on to CBC my mother was a member of the cast of the show that is too much and uh so I grew up with Wayne and Schuster as family friends. They were over the house all the time. Really? Yeah, yeah. That must have been hilarious. Not really. No? No. Uh, a little more serious? No. Johnny adult. was funny. Uh, Frank's not a funny guy. Oh, yeah? Off camera. He never cracked okay. jokes or anything. Uh, my parents are kind of... Uh, oh, they were. They're not anymore, obviously. But my parents were Canadian celebrities in the 60s yeah, and 70s. Yeah, yeah, My dad was a host of talk shows, and he hosted a... I didn't know he hosted talk shows. Tons of them. And he hosted, really? a, he hosted a really crappy game show for a while. Uh <laughs> <laughs> really awful. And um, uh, uh, my father wrote a couple of novels that got made into fel- uh, fairly well-known films. Okay. And um, I knew your parents were accomplished, but I didn't know they'd done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and my mom was a pop singer, a very popular pop singer in Canada. Okay. And she, after the Way to Choose Her show, she had her own show. Uh Yep. CBC? Yeah, uh, on the CBC. It was cool. called Cross Canada Hit Parade. And uh, it was basically solid gold. Okay. Yeah. Only the solid gold dancers weren't there, but it was basically solid gold because they'd have on an act to come perform, and then my mom would sing the hit of the week, whatever it was, right. you know. Yeah. And then uh, they'd all wave goodbye to the end of the show. And uh, my my mom has tons of footage of her singing duets with Duke Ellington. Oh my goodness. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. That is amazing. And uh, my mom used to be in a, a little uh, combo with Oscar Peterson. Really? He lived just on uh, Mississauga Road. Ex- for believe years. me, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I was growing up, Oscar Peterson would be over the house playing the piano all the time and and I learned to play piano on a piano that Oscar Peterson played quite a lot and uh, one of the, the one drawback to that is because I'm a musician first and foremost I'm a comic book artist yes but as, a, as my brain I'm a musician oh that's, that's that, how that's, you see yourself that's, that's my that's my cool. ground zero for me because okay. uh, I've been a musician since I was before I could walk and I made my living as a musician all through my 20s I played piano bars and shit like that okay and um, uh, so growing up I would always play the piano and my mom would sing because she was a very accomplished singer and I would back her up wow. and stuff like that at parties and things like this. <laughs> and uh, every now and then my mom would say, like, oh, that song's written in uh, like uh, a D. Could you transpose that to a B flat for me? And I'd look at her and go, I'm nine. <laughs> you're lucky I can Slow comp my you're lucky I can comp my way through the song at nine. <laughs> I know and it's then in my blood, but right, and then she would say things like, "Well, you know, Oscar Peterson could do that at that age," and I'm going, "Yes," and he's fucking Oscar Peterson, because my mom sort of expected me to be able to play like Oscar Peterson. And at some point, you want to go, "Mom, he's the greatest player on the planet. It's not. Yeah, it's not yeah. that he's just good. good yeah. He's won Grammys he's and the ultimate level, ultimate. Yeah, bar. you don't. I mean, the only guy who ever played better than him was a guy named Art Tatum, and he died in the '60s. So it's not like I, yeah. he was literally the greatest player on the and planet. He's in Earth. your house. You're learning on his piano. That no, is I'm not ins- learning on his piano. Sorry, on I'm saying I'm, 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 I'm yes, learning sorry. on the piano he played. Yes, because he would come over to the house and you know he would play, and my mom would sing something, and that would be that. And yeah. then, I, I, but here, also the thing is, I didn't even understand how good he was when I was little. He was just one of my mom's friends who could play piano. Sure, because my mom's my mom's and my dad's friends were all quite famous. If they threw a party, you would expect to see Oscar Peterson and Wayne and Schuster and uh, Knowlton Nash, who was the the mm-hmm. guy that ran the CBC News at the time. Or uh, I think we even had a prime minister at our parties once or twice. Wow. And and uh, so that growing up, you don't know that's odd. It's not until later on that you go, 
did your family parties have these people at them? No? Yeah. Okay, so that was okay. weird for us then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. So... Uh, how does all that turn into comic books? And were your parents supportive of then that decision? Um, oddly enough, my dad, who was the cartoonist, was not particularly supportive about making me a comic book artist. Uh, uh, my father's passed away now, but uh, when I was starting to do it, he kept waiting for me to announce what my real job was going to be. Okay. And uh, it, uh, I worked in television for a couple of years, and that sort of excited my dad because that was his career. So he thought, oh, good. Whew, yeah. my, my son's finally figured out what real work is. And uh, I... As much as I enjoyed working in television, I was a producer at C- uh, City TV for a while, that um, I drifted back to comics because I love this medium. I love Batman. I love The Simpsons and all the characters right that I get on. to work on. And I love the idea that I, my commute is 13 stairs down to my basement. <laughs> so that, to me, it's just really simple that I, I don't have to get on a bus or go out of my house oh, to work. You know, pretty much be your own boss. Right, like, and yeah, it's very much yeah, that. I've yeah. never held a job in my life. I've never been employed by anybody. Okay. And so, well, except I guess technically City because they well, sent me a paycheck. But I never yeah. thought of that as work and no I didn't <laughs> well it's fine you, well also yeah. because I didn't well because we did the late night show we did the two to six in the morning slot so oh, okay. I was in the building where there was no one else there right right I was uh, like those became like the blue movie like hours eventually. literally was yeah yeah it was a series called late great movies that yes. ran, did you ever watch Mark, it oh yeah Mark Daly's voice booming in the beginning all right yeah. here we are well, we're gonna watch whatever tonight. did you ever watch during if you're from Ontario do you ever watch during the, the period of the year when Bob Segarini used to host them I don't think so Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's the year I did it. Oh, okay. Uh, Bob Segarini yeah, yeah. was the host of the show, and I uh, okay. I came on as a guest one night and ended up uh, producing this producing the show within about two weeks. Right on. Yeah, that's amazing. I, Toronto, I'm the biggest you asshole. Are Toronto, sir. I'm the biggest <laughs> asshole in the world because what I did was I got I got invited on as a guest, uh, and when I came to this show, I used to watch the show because I would work at night, and I came to the station with a a binder full of ideas for the show. <laughs> because I know television. My father worked in television. My mother worked right in television. On. So I watched the show at home, and I would go, you know, you could probably up the production value of this show with just a couple of little tweaks. You could do this, this, and this. doesn't cost a lot of money, but you can make the show look better. So when I showed up, I had these production notes for the show. A guest, and I have production notes for the show. And uh, the host, Bob Segarini, he takes them, and he goes, that's great, thank you, and he just drops them in a garbage <laughs> because, without even looking at them, because why would he? Yeah, yeah. And then apparently the next day, the executive producer came in, found the notes in a garbage can, went through them, went, these are good. These are actually good notes. That's and I got a, I got a phone call a few days later going, uh, there's Bob going, uh, my executive producer is a woman named Marcy Martin. She goes, Marcy Martin looked through the notes and apparently she likes some of them, so we want to talk to you. <laughs> that was so nice. Okay, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I have to touch on Batman. Sure. Because after some rough times. If you touch on Batman too much, there's going to be trouble. You, Yeah, you're, you're bound to get a broken neck probably yeah. out of that situation. You won't but, put up with it long. You know, after some rough times and you know health issues back on your feet, yeah. a hell of a year. You know, with Batman 66. Is this something you chased down? Do they come yes, to you? Yes, yes, very much. I okay, chased it down. Uh, what happened was, uh, I, I Batman 66 is exactly the right age for me because I was five when it came on the, the air. Oh, yeah. No, I was four. Okay. But I, I started, I'm pretty sure I started watching it from the day it was on the air. And... Um, it's probably one of the reasons why Batman means so much to me. Batman and Star Trek is way too central to my life to be healthy. Like, I don't know if you noticed this, but I had a stack of Star Trek comics I bought today. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Okay. I, I still live in the world of Batman and Star Trek. And, um, and, and the Beatles. The 60s is still there, right? Right. So um, when I found out they were doing a Batman 66 comic, I, I emailed the editor 
And I said, what issue will I be doing? And he went, no, we already have our, our team in place. You know. Oh, they did? Yeah, yeah, they did. They said, thank you. I appreciate the interest, but we got a lot of interest from different artists. We already have the team in place. Thanks for interest. And so I, I drew a picture of uh, Adam and Bert and emailed it to him. And I went, it'll look like this when I draw the series. You should slot me in somewhere. Said, no, we really do have the team in place. Thank you very much. So then I drew him a picture of the penguin. And I sent him a villain a day. Okay. For like... Yeah. I think a two day, two weeks or something like that. So, oh, here's Mr. Freeze. Here's the Penguin. Here's the Joker. Here's Catwoman. Here's what they're going to look like. And I, I kept sending them with these notes that more or less said, what issue am I getting? I, I yeah. wasn't taking no for oh, yeah. an answer. No, this is happening. <laughs> and and after, uh, after a few of these came by, he eventually relented and went, all right, we'll let you draw one. And then the guy that was scheduled to do issue number two uh, something happened he couldn't do it and so I went from we'll let you do one at some point to you're doing the next issue it's due in like three weeks <laughs> and I went okay and then after I finished that issue he was so happy with it he said okay you're slotted for this issue and this issue and then eventually it spun off into a miniseries with Batman meets the Green Hornet oh it was so good and, yeah. and I got offered the miniseries so it, I, I, I hate to say be an absolute pest about it but in my case, it worked. It totally worked. Yeah. And it, it, fantastic book. I'm a big fan of Ralph Garman and anything he does. And for, oh, yeah. I was, for Smith to let him get in on this and like do well, as Ralph, much as he did. Well, Ralph, of the two of them, Ralph is the much bigger uh, oh, uh, fan about, about Batman 66. He's got a little Batman 66 museum in his house. Yeah, yeah. The, and in fact, if you, if you, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you get the new uh, uh, Blu-ray collection of the whole series. Yeah, there's a tour. There's there's a tour of, of Ralph's uh, yeah. museum yeah, yeah, it's on amazing. it. Like, he's, he's such a big part yeah. of Batman. 66 yeah. that he's part of the official Batman he 66 got DVDs. He's star, even. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, super. But uh, yeah, it's a busy day. Thank you so much. Oh, Turns out welcome. Clarkson Kid. Yeah. Fantastic. Great. Mr. Templeton, enjoy the rest of the day. Okay, Miss Katie Cook. Another one of these Michigan superstars invading mm. Toronto. <laughs> I don't uh, know about superstar, but I do okay. Well, you did pretty good at Motor City. Uh, yeah, I'd say you were one of the winners that weekend. You know, you had quite that's, the. That's my hometown show, so I've been there for a really long time. Yeah, I love it down there. I've met mm-hmm. so many cool people. You guys have like such a support structure going yeah, on there. Yeah, um, I've uh, I've lived in the Ann Arbor area for my entire life. Um, right so on. Michigan is my my home state, my home place. So. Yeah. Fantastic. It's nice that it's close. And yeah. You can all pop back and forth. How many expos have you done there? Uh, I think this is my fourth Toronto right. Fan Expo. Right on. Um, and you enjoy coming up here? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, it's really easy to get across the border when you're driving. And so uh, and yeah. I actually yeah. forget that it's in Canada. <laughs> and uh, I forgot to add a data plan to my phone because I was like, eh, I'm driving to that show. And nice. I was like, oh, wait, that's a different country. <laughs> yeah, I did that a few times going down to like Philadelphia and stuff. So now mm-hmm. I just have. We have here this Rome like home. Mm-hmm. So now my phone just automatically oh. clicks in when I cross the border. It's nice. Oh. Yeah. That'd be nice. So, uh, were you of the generation around for the original Pony Run? I was. Yeah. Um, Pony started in the in mid 80s, um, which is when I was, you know, five, six. Okay. Um, so I was. I was the prime age yeah, for perfect. my little pony when, yeah. with the first go around. And, you know, it's so funny now that I've been working on it for like three years. Um, it's just one of those things of like, oh, I've worked on almost every major license that was popular when I was a kid that I used to love um, that's still around. Oh, yeah? Okay. And now um, Andy Price and I were made actual ponies on the show. 
No way. Yeah, uh, really? in this new season. So they actually put Andy and I in as ponies, um, as like our little pony personas. Uh, mine is from Detroit, of course. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like, oh my god, if I can go tell 1986 Katie that she's a she's a pony now, like right. she's an official Hasbro My Little Pony, uh, she'd freak out. That's so, amazing. Yeah. So it was this new run you getting involved is this something you chased down or this no get presented to um you? my brother uh actually is is a brony my older brother okay. he, he loves the show and he has an excuse he has kids but he was like oh you got to watch the new show so i watched a bunch of it and i posted on twitter that i really liked it and it was a really fun um revamp of it and really smart and really clever and the editor at idw was like i just saw your tweet that you liked the new pony show we just got the license do you want to write it <laughs> <laughs> Just like that, Just eh? Just like that, uh, within 24 hours God of me posting. Twitter, yep. eh? <laughs> and uh, I'd been wanting to work with Bobby on stuff for a while. Um, we had been talking back and forth about trying to, to do something. And, yeah, so that That's worked fantastic. out great. And yeah. I, now it's been three years that I've been working on the book. I've written, like, almost 30 issues in three years. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, obviously we're that generation now where all the 80s stuff is coming around. And, you know, all of us who loved it as kids, now we're working on it now. And uh, it was kind of a brave thing to, like, take the ponies, but it's so 180. Like, yeah. They just completely rebooted it. Oh, right? yeah, like, yeah. It's so, it's it's not what it was in the 80s because you can't go back. The stuff in the 80s is terrible. Um, <laughs> Generation 2 is is very pandering towards towards five-year-old girls. It's very right. dumbed down, as is, as is the third generation. It's all like, oh, we're going to be late for Twilight, blah, 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 tea yeah. party. Uh, it's not that anymore. Right. Um, it's very smart. It's very weird. Um, yeah, so it is yeah. a bit odd. I've seen a couple, and they're a bit... Yeah, there's they're a bit strange, but it's also still fun. But. There's a bit more of a demographic now oh, with yeah. bronies and mm-hmm. and the kids. I mean, I, honestly, back then I wouldn't. I probably watched a pony cartoon or two, but mm-hmm. it's not like I had little ponies. Right. You know? I see so, tons of little boys now. Oh yeah, with uh, mad ponies. Yeah, you know? little boys uh, that love Rainbow Dash. Little boys that love the oh, show. Yeah. I love that. Um, I did a, a talk at my daughter's school, uh, and just every single little boy that was like, well, I like, you know, ponies, but I only like Applejack. And, like, that made it okay. <laughs> He's like, I don't like the pink one. I like Applejack and Rainbow Dash. Right on. Um, but, no, it's 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 amazing. And, and the fact that it has such a wide appeal as far as being, you know, loved by boys and girls. And then the age range of kids to adults that really love it. Yeah, who saw that coming? Yeah. Eh? That's, like, just out of nowhere. Like, yeah. What a weird attachment. So. But, hey, there's fans for everything. Yeah, it's great. You know? My my friend the other day on Facebook uh, he's got a kid basically my four year old son's best friend and he's a big brony little kid and I guess there was some ponies somewhere the other day at some event so he took him mm-hmm. and uh, he was all thinking he was like yeah, I'm, a, I'm an open dad I don't mind my kid playing with dog blah blah and he expected like be the only one and he got there and he was like all oh, kids it was like all boys just wanted yep. to see him Yep. Uh, there was a, I was in I was in Target, which is a very un-Canadian thing to say now. At this um, point. And, you know, uh, there was a little boy that wanted this Rainbow Dash shirt that was in the girls' section. It was just a blue shirt with Rainbow Dash's face and kind of a sparkly rainbow mane, uh, it, like, on the top. And he was like, oh, I want this shirt and this dad. I was, I was about to get, like, I was going to re- be ready to be like, what do you mean you're not going to buy him the shirt? And I could see this big burly guy who was just like... <gasps> 
Well, let's see if they've gotten a medium. No, <laughs> He's like looking days, through man. it and was like, well, that's good for you, man. That's kids growing up. Yeah. You know? I remember the cool thing about the 80s and stuff like ponies and all the cartoons we watched is it was, it was very simple good versus evil. Yeah. It was be good, be nice, mm-hmm. be kind, don't litter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that was the 80s. <laughs> like, clean up after yourself, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So it's fun to see that it's like come around and. Okay, so for all the fans who are fans of you for the ponies, what else can they check out? Uh, I have a Gronk, which is the comic that I do. That's my personal project. I uh, I used to self-publish. It's now out through Action Lab. There's four books total and a, and a toy. We did I didn't plush. realize it was through Action Lab. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, they picked cool. they picked it up last year and started republishing um, volumes one and two and three, and then they they published volume four, and we even did a free comic book day issue. Uh, this year, which was really crazy, yeah. and then the plush came out back in July. Um, I have two non-children's books through Sterling Publishing at Barnes and Noble, um, which are like books about swearing cats, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, called uh, Fu Box and A B C D E F U. Nice. Um, and we're actually doing a little 3D printed figure for New York Comic Con of a bunch of really angry cats in a box. That's fun. And yeah, it's it's in like this little cardboard box, and it says you know free to go home because they're jerks, and it's full of kittens that are swearing and giving you the finger and right on, right uh, throwing on. up things like that, um, <laughs> which I'm really excited about. Uh, and uh, I'm writing the Munchkin holiday special for Boom, cool, uh, which is going to be really fun. Chew. I've uh, <laughs> I've done a lot of stuff for Marvel lately. Um, I did uh, the Secret War Secret Love anthology. Uh, I just did a backup gag for Howard the Duck with Chip Zdarsky. Uh, I did a Spider-Verse story. You did? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then uh, over, it's so fun. I think it's next month. I actually did a Not Safe for Work Sex Criminals variant cover <laughs> for Chip and Matt. Right on. It's so funny. Um, well, you got to keep things varied, right? Yeah. I mean. it's. Um, <laughs> they asked me, and they were like, you're a nice lady. How would you like to do something that has to be shipped in an opaque pink poly bag? And I was like, all right, I can do that. And um, uh, it's really, it's so it's so weird because it's, uh, I think the only thing they've let out about it is that it's interactive. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. They announced that at Dragon Con. <laughs> and all these people on Twitter are like, what do you mean you did this? What is it? I was like, I don't think I'm allowed to say. Well, when you have a mix of work like that, actually, Jay Fosgett and I were talking about this mm-hmm. yesterday, and I was curious about how careful you have to be. He said there's no real official guidelines with the ponies as far mm-hmm. as doing commissions and mm-hmm. cons, but I suppose you self-police yourself. Yeah. But do you get some weird stuff? Oh, yeah, I yeah. do. And whenever I get, like, one of those weird requests and I put that in, in air quotes um, I try and pick a random person on the floor like at the start of the day that I know and say I don't do those but this person does <laughs> and then I write down their table number and send them over there just right. so one of my friends gets really confused <laughs> right on yeah he said he's had some weird Bodhi requests and stuff too yeah. so where did you two meet that you brought him into um, the pony world Jay moved to Michigan a while back and he got a hold of me just as a cartoonist that lived in the area and then uh, we started inviting him to an art night group uh, that we do with a couple other comic book guys uh, in Michigan and then Is that like the sketch nights or? Uh, no, this is kind of just an independent so much Yeah, yeah this is like uh, <laughs> at our houses right. uh, once a week and we just kind of rotate and 
uh, I thought Jay would be really good for ponies, and I asked him to do some samples that I could give to Bobby, and they put him on an issue, like, within days of, of you know. Yeah, he was people. saying that. He was, he was like, yeah, yeah, um, yeah because I knew, that, I knew that Bobby was looking for a couple other artists, um, and I'm actually, uh, if Jay would watch some of the show, I think he could probably write a couple issues of it. So. Uh, yeah, 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 he's, you know, he tells some tales, mm-hmm. that's for sure. Um, so you do have a pretty consistent con schedule to mm-hmm. get around, right? Oh, I'm everywhere. So, uh, and you're always open for commissions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> not, well, not all the time. Um, <laughs> when you have the time. My, my list is usually closed for, for eight months out of the year. I usually oh, yeah? don't, yeah, because I'm, I'm, sure. I'm swamped. Yeah, I'm sure. um, so there's usually maybe a break in the spring or in the winter where I take on a few, and then it takes me like the entire year to get to them. <laughs> Is there a main online site for you? Yep, katiecandraw.com, and then that links you to my online store where I have books and and original artwork and and stuff like that. And then my Twitter and my Facebook page and my Tumblr and the Instagram crap and all the social media. Use all over the interwebs. Yeah, but it's all under (laughs) katiecandraw. All right, fantastic. Uh, Thank you so much. Thank you. It was nice chatting with you Thank you. Uh, hopefully I'll see you at least uh, in Motor City. I'm always there. I'm always very excited. Katie, very awesome. Thank Thank you. you.